Coming up on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast, racism rears its ugly head yet again. Fremantle remain undefeated, and we talk all about the rules that you would like to take out of the AFL. All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast for another week. Uh, I am, of course, the Wookiee. With me, as always, I have my stellar companions in Messenger. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, Frio's very own Seppo. Good, Good evening. evening to you too. And a big week for uh, some of us and not quite so big a week for others. But uh, first off, your highlights for the weekend, guys. And we'll start with Seppo. Made it oh. alive out of Adelaide. I did. I made it there. I watched the game in the freezing cold. It was a, a highlight and a low light. Highlight being the result. Low light is the weather. Absolutely shocking at Adelaide Oval on the uh, Saturday night, but we got through it. Got to watch one of the great battles. I think that highlight was the Fife Dangerfield matchup for the whole night, and just really enjoyed the the trip over there and not sure another win. I hate to say it, but the whole game I was looking at the weather outside and it was getting misty at one point. I was like, "Come on, let it rain." And it didn't rain, so I was disappointed. It did back it down a bit in the uh, third, but disappeared <laughs> by the end. So. so, Seppo, did you manage to uh, get out, walk around Adelaide in the evening, and without harm coming to your person? Uh, there was some interesting characters around town, but I think most of it cleared off by the time I was out. It was, uh, it's an interesting town, and quite. Uh, you can see how, just walking from Adelaide Oval back through the city, how uh, it'd be a silly idea for Clark or any other coach to really do that through that stretch. Of, uh, think, well, the interesting thing, too, is that Adelaide, they always talk about, oh, we're all free settlers and we're not of convict stock. You look around and and it's hard to it's hard to reconcile, really. Yeah. Um, Messenger, what was your highlight from the weekend, mate? Uh, let's see, my highlight from the weekend, well, it certainly wasn't the Hawthorne Gold Coast game because that was just very, very mediocre for football. Did, did you win, though? Um, yeah, we had a win. Yeah, we had a win. But what's left of the Gold Coast Suns? Why that under big deal? Uh, didn't watch Carlton on Friday night, so that was a bonus. Um, mm, my son did well at basketball Saturday afternoon. Just say you haven't got a highlight, all right? Don't, don't, don't take, oh, I haven't got a highlight. Don't what take you... it through this is your life. Then I had a chocolate biscuit on Sunday afternoon. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my highlight of the weekend, not coming, you know, with Carlton having such a poor season. Um, obviously not really going to be football-related for me. Uh, but Sepp Blatter, standing down today, uh, standing down yesterday... Sounds as my highlight of the week. Uh, after saying I'm not going to step down, he finally stepped down. So good stuff. Oh, funny the timing of it. Just how uh, he wanted to uh, re-elect himself and go through, and then all of a sudden they talk about some uh, investigations from the FBI, and suddenly he just makes the decision to step down. I think it's all too convenient the timing of it. I think he may be currently looking for a Dominican passport and a country without an extradition treaty to the United States. Mm. Yes, going to Russia, live next door to Edward Snowden. He 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 can forgive, but he never forgets. 
Is that one of the the chairman of the English FA today was uh, saying that uh, if you were Qatar, you wouldn't be too confident about holding the World Cup now. Good luck. Uh, good luck getting it off them. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if they can just have a revote and that's it, or whether you know whether there's more. Well, yeah, more that goes into they it. Could, they, they could end up giving it to Bahrain or you know Saudi. I mean, yeah, just be the. You can redo the process, but you can't guarantee the outcome. That's true. What unless, your... you, unless you set bladder. Seppo, what was your low light of the weekend? Oh, I'm, I'm going to probably steal your thunder here, Messenger, but it was Carlton taking up the uh, Friday night time slot. Just, I, I actually had the moment where I switched off the TV and just said, this is pointless watching... A Friday night game again with Carlton, and I, I tuned in only just to see what they could do with a different coach, but same old, same old, and Sydney tore them apart, and I switched off at half-time. It was, wasn't was any fun. It was just my low light of Friday nights I've lost at Shine and, and Saturday night, or even some of the Sunday games seem to be putting on the better. I'd love to see the actual difference of um, TV ratings for Friday night, but I reckon they probably dropped down this year. It's um, shocking. At least we might be able to make amends this week with uh, Freon Richmond taking the uh, Friday night time slot for once. But they have dropped a little bit, but it's true of every game this year so far is down. League ratings across the board are down 16%. So it's not... Um, and they've been dropping for the last couple of years. And so it's, it's even, just the Friday night. It, it's the Friday night time slot. Uh, people are just switching off. And it's not just the AFL. Ratings are down about the same in the NRL as well. So it's uh, the, the, there's issues there for both codes and I don't think it's it's solely based around Carlton you can't blame Carlton for an RL problem don't try and deflect here I, no I'm not, no 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 question Carlton games are boring and they play a big part but um and because Carlton being my low light of course having had a number of losses in a row and they're all big ones it was another 10 goal loss uh, this week and, and I was saying to Seppo that there's been more 10 goal losses this year 10 goals or greater than the same time last year uh, last year we had 15 10 goal losses to the end of uh, round 9 and this year as of Saturday morning uh, as of Saturday night it was at 22 so uh, there are more blowouts this year than there were last year which isn't good for the competition I think you can also I mean Friday night is a night where you, know, you you tend to finish work more or less on time. You've got family commitments. Um, you know, it's a it's a night for going out. It, people have very lead very crowded lives, and and uh, and I don't I just don't think that I think football just has to take its slice. It's not it's not a feature event like it maybe was ten or fifteen years ago, and. And, uh, you know, I, I avoid Carlton games by watching all the stuff I've taped on, on my PBR during the week. I think you would have laughed, though, because you couldn't have even gotten away with it by watching the VFL game on the weekend, which was streamed because uh, Box Hill played the Northern Blues. <laughs> well, I, 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 I watched Jonathan Simpkins' 92-metre goal. and uh, Yes. And that was, about, that was about the end of it. But, I mean, when we say 92 metres, it bounced, I think, the bounce the last 25, but yeah, it was still a pretty decent. It was thing. no Malcolm Blight. No, it wasn't, no, no. So, Messenger, I'm going to assume that you don't have a low light or it's the same as, as uh, Seppo's one. Well, I'll tell you what my low light is, and I, I'm probably going to be I'm out on a limb here. Um the media hysteria surrounding reaction 
to this to the Adam Goods war dance or whatever we want to call hang on, it. Hang on, don't be racist here, Messenger. No, no, I'm not going to be racist at all. I think it's the height of... How would we put this? It, it demonstrates the contempt that the media have for fans, I think, to some degree, that you can assume that a collection of people who feel a certain way about something have the same motivation for feeling that. Yeah. And that and that and, and that say and and that emoting something that isn't what they believe to be is either a lie or it's a you know it's a smoke screen for for you you're really a racist and and I think you know as as someone from a tribe of people who was effectively declared racist by a number of media people the week before I resent it I, I just resent this idea that you're a racist because you think that what Adam Goods did was silly on Friday night. And I do think it was silly. And, um, you know, if you, you, the, it, it might suit the cultural context and it might suit Indigenous round, but in the context of the game, it was utterly, utterly ridiculous. Mm. I suppose you only just have to compare it to all the other... I think someone trotted out an article with all the... Uh, weird goal celebrations and things that have been shunned on, you know, with Choco Williams and his little shooting little thing. And it's, could it be, if, you know, you take out what the meaning of it is from at least that, it's it's almost the same symbolism when you think about celebrating a goal like that. Well, this was a goal, this was a straight and front kick from 30 metres out. They were eight goals front in a game they ended up winning by, by 10 goals. And he ran 30 metres to the opposition supporters... And did that. Opposition people who, by the way, when they react, can be thrown out of the ground for reacting in a certain way. And we're supposed to say... I mean, he's just got a tin ear for this stuff. He's got a completely tin ear for, for this, this sort of stuff. Now, if you want this to be the harker, do it to the opposition players. Do it before the game. That's don't the... do it to fans. Fans don't have the right of reply to that. They just don't. That's what I don't understand. He could have done this in any direction. He could have aimed it at the camera, and there are any number of cameras at the ground. He could have aimed it at the scoreboard. He could have aimed it at opposition players, but he he aimed it at the fans, and the fans weren't overly impressed. Well, neither they should be. I mean, they're they're having their backsides handed to them. It's the equivalent of a soccer player doing backflips, kicking the sixth goal in a sixth... 6-0 6-0 win. I mean, you know, th- this isn't a game that was on the line. Like, Carlton were already on their knees and it was a meaningless goal in a meaningless game. Mm. And he carried on like that. And, 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 and people wonder why fans reacted the way they did. People will have justifications. Some of them might be good. You know, should we boo them for something they did three or four years ago? Of course not. But that's not the only person that happens to but this idea that you can point at a group of people and say you're all racists, yeah, or you're all covering for racists, and you must stop, it is it's it's patronising. It, it's patronising. It's you know. it, it's idiotic, in my opinion. Like well, it there's... is idiotic, but but it's this campaign, and everybody's got to leap on board, and everybody's got to be purer than the next commentator that comes on, and and oh, we must deride this, and this is terrible, and please stop, and and you you know, and it just no no, you stop, you stop. You know, if somebody wants to boo him, forget about it. You know, it's 
Yeah, anyway, anyway, that's my low light for the week. I, I hate being lectured to. Speaking of uh, collectives, though, the New South Wales Parliament was reported as uh, calling Eddie Maguire a buffet, and that's that's not a word that they've just alluded to. They've actually called him that in the official condemnation in the Parliament. It's in Hansard. It, you have to wonder, <laughs> have to wonder if they've got better things to do. Well, that's what is the New South Wales Parliament doing talking about football? Talking about a single, ins- well, talking about a single guy in football in the first. Oh, just, this... it's, a, it's an excellent argument for a unicameral system in <laughs> Parliament. <laughs> I get rid of state governments altogether. Mm. Pointless, in my opinion. But that's another story for a very different podcast. <laughs> in general news, guys, Hawthorne are going to well attempt to build a massive facility at Dingley in the state's southeast even uh, apparently about the same distance from the CBD as Waverley. Um, they're going to buy the land out of cash reserves and then spend some time putting together a facility. They may or may not apply for government funding. It may or may not be a community. Very little is actually known about it beyond that they bought the ground on Monday, uh, apparently. So. And they do have a get-out clause, don't they? They're they, not they, committed to this. If and... they're smart, they would. No, this is a conditional purchase, um, and they've got eighteen months of due diligence. And, and look, part of this is built on an old, on what has been a commercial garden. Um, they are close to industrial land; they're actually close to uh, tip, and so a lot of that eighteen months is really about testing the substrate and testing the soil. Um, and I'm told that don't. I am told by somebody who might reliably know this that this is no fait accompli to mm. be completed. But I think for even for them to sign a conditional contract, they must be fairly certain because the issue will be can they build on this land mm. safely or, or you know structurally in a structurally sound way. So look, I, I think it's a, it's a, a good move from the club. They need more facilities. Waverley um, is was state of the art when they got in there, but really now they've been well and truly overtaken, and it and it and it shows a good use of some hard-earned cash reserves, and and let's see if it comes to fruition. Mm. Where, do you, where do you reckon that Waverley or the Hawks's uh, facilities rate in the general scheme of all AFL clubs? Because you just wonder if they're just trying to get ahead of the game with trying to attract players and. Seems to be one thing that Freo have been pushing for a while to actually get good facilities and like what oh, Essendon have done and attracting f- future players to the club. Oh, look, there's a couple of things. That, first of all, they went. Hawthorne sent players on a trip end of, after the end of last season. A number of them went to the UK and, and they did. You know, they they do these research trips where they go and visit. And, and one of the things they went to when they went to some of these EPL clubs and they spent some time with Tottenham Hotspur was looking at how they do put their training facilities together. So some of that is inspired by that experience. And it's also about being a destination club for free agency. And, and, and increasingly, that's not just about how much money you can spend, but the sort of environment you can offer a player. Saying, well, we've got this, and these are the sort of facilities we have in place, and these are the sort of resources that you'll have available to you as a as as a, as a potential player so it, it is about a, a, a total environment <laughs> for the football club for the players they've got and as a tool to attract players so it, look I I don't have any way of, of objectively rating facilities 
certainly the articles I've read in the past, Hawthorne's facilities are probably falling towards the bottom third now because they're dated. The Sir Kenneth Luke stand's obviously very much 100% utilised now and it's heritage listed. There's you know not a lot they can do in the area. Um, the ground is obviously an exceptional ground to train on, being being wave, the old Waverley surface. But yeah, they, it does it is in need of an up uh, of a facelift. But they'll be at Waverley for at least another five or six years. Well, Rico Centre was only redeveloped in what two thousand eight. Yeah, I, I think. And, and look, I've done a couple of tours through there now, to, to be truthful. But um, they they don't have a lot of like the full-size indoor training facilities. Like, I think you've seen footage of what they've got at Tullamarine for yeah. the Bombers. Well, no one, has, that, no one has anything like that with the no, indoor I mean, grounds. And that's the and, sort of thing they're aiming for, and that's yeah. like a, an NFL sort of standard facility where you can you know, play an entire game in, in a shed. Yeah, um, on a full-size indoor ground. Yeah, Hawthorne's got... I mean, yeah, they, they're good, for, but, but it's keeping up with the Joneses now and keeping up with... West Coast and Fremantle and the Crows and Collingwood and, and that sort of Collingwood. thing. That's right, yeah. I think Port's facilities are still a bit outdated. Carlton's were redone in 2006. Mm. Um, but, and they're still at Princess Park. Obviously, Geelong's were redone, I think, uh, 2008. They were supposed to get an expansion, but it never happened. Uh, Christ knows what St Kilda are doing. Linen House was only built in, like, 2009, I think. And they're trying to get out of that now, not because it's bad, but because players can't get coffee nearby or some crap. Uh, Melbourne have facilities at Amy Park, which was only built a couple of years back. Um, Richmond's facilities are fairly new. I think they only finished upgrading them in 2013. So... I think... the, the worst facilities in the league at the moment belong to Gold Coast, I think. They're still out of a wow. Demantable, aren't they? They're, they're playing out of Demantables um, at Gold Coast, but these are getting upgraded for the 2018 Commonwealth Games as part of that arrangement. So that'll get done soon, but they are still in Demantables. GWS, I'm not sure their facility's built yet, but their facilities aren't great either. Kind of, uh, I think uh, West Coast might have some of the worst facilities in the league at the moment, though. Uh, given that they date back to '97 or something, I think. So, yeah. but they're going to address that shortly with their 60 million in cash reserves. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> probably build their own gigantic facility with no government support whatsoever if they don't have to. So, that'll be interesting. Anyway, moving along for what yes. was supposed to be a very short news piece. <laughs> Uh, Gold Coast have suspended another two players, Dixon and Martin this time, uh, Charlie Dixon, Jack Martin, after wine appeared on their hotel bill. Um, they're not supposed to be drinking any alcohol at the moment. Apparently there's supposed to be some sort of blanket alcohol ban on the entire club. Uh, these make the seventh, uh, the sixth and seventh players to be banned for alcohol consumption on the Gold Coast, suggesting that they've got some issues up there. Uh, South Australian Police have cleared Alistair Clarkson of any wrongdoing whatsoever Phew. for his incident on the Oval. But like Seppo said um, earlier, you can see how you could get into trouble crossing that bridge after a game. Uh, it is a very packed bridge for some time after a game's finished. 
Stephen. Very dangerous place, Adelaide. It's the Detroit of the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> mm. Stephen Dank has apparently said that he doesn't give a flying F to uh, that. Uh, the wider is appealing the decision to drop 21 charges against him. The AFL Coaches Association has uh, told Carlton that it needs to uh, apply some principles when it looks for a coach. It, uh, the CEO needs to talk to the other club's CEO before they start talking to the coach and various other things that no one has had to do before. So, fun stuff there. Ooh. And that's really it for any kind of even remotely significant news for the league at the moment. Crowds are currently down 1% on the same time last year. Not good, but... The year of the fan. You're the fan, but I think they dropped this week because so many low-drawing games were played in a state. The game in Traeger Park in Alice Springs, uh, Carlton's game in Sydney wasn't actually one of the lower-drawing ones, but the Bulldogs game um, was fairly low-drawing. So, the Hawks-Gold Coast game, yes. yeah, Tassie was a low-drawing as well. Wasn't it 9,000 yeah. or so? Yeah, so when, when you start putting... 9,000, is that all it was? No, it was 11,000. 11, but uh, there were some... You know, certain games that were lower drawing than uh, the AFL would probably like, even though they do tend to, for whatever reason, when the buy rounds start to hit us, we start to get all these low drawing games in ridiculous locations all at once. So, mm. anyway, earlier in the week, um, well, early, well, last week I put up a thread discussing rules we would like to remove from the game or moderate perhaps heavily modify if we could and I, I, I the thread actually asks for one rule that we would remove from the game and someone rightly pointed out that there are any number of rules that uh, we could perhaps remove from the game that haven't and things like you know the obvious ones like the sub rule uh, come up and nobody seems to like the sub rule and yet it keeps coming in every year guys what rules would you like removed I've got three that I've probably looked at I've the obvious one is the uh, centre bounce. And I think I've heard even the umpires saying that they might even be a fan of just throwing it up because they probably look like idiots when they're bouncing the ball and they've got to recall it. They just can't master it. And there's some that are there that are probably good at it and some that aren't. And as grounds deteriorate, you know, in heavy winter games and turns into a paddock in the middle, they just end up throwing it anyway. So why not go from the start, get rid of that tradition? It's, it doesn't really serve anyone better. And I'm sure the players would love some consistency and just a bit of confusion as it comes up and sometimes they don't recall it when it favours one side and there's sometimes where I've seen it you just scratch your head and go why didn't they recall it's clearly favoured one side throw it up that's a easy one to get rid of I'm not sure you'd get too many people upset about that um, the second one is the deliberate out of bounds is one that you just I don't know how you could change it but they've definitely got to uh, alter or adjust the rule the way it's interpreted because really if you're under pressure fair enough for putting it up there but I think deliberate's really got to be paid for deliberate time wasting when you're under pressure a, a classic example was uh, on the uh, Adelaide Freo game on the weekend where David Mundy was about to be tackled and he just received a pass from somebody he went to handball over his head to pass back but the player wasn't there and it went out and they called it deliberate which is just silly when you're under pressure in that situation they should just get rid of that. I think the um, it's one of those crowd pleasers that the uh, umpires like to play when the when the home team sort of gets those, which is um, I reckon it's just a bit of me time for them. <laughs> um, and the third one is probably the sub rule, just the obvious. Now that they're 
capping rotations, it kind of equalises. You know, the reason why we bought that submarine was players are getting injured and, you know, one side would be, you know, down a couple of players, the other side would be running away. Once you put a limit on interchange, it just makes the other rule useless, really, when you think about what the other one's trying to do. And if you try and bring the um, interchange cap down too much and still have that sub rule, I reckon the speed of the game is actually going to slow down when they want to try and keep it a fast-paced game. I, I don't have anything particularly that I'd like to... Although I think the deliberate point rule, which yeah, the deli- uh, that was born from the, the 2008 grand final and was a, a horrendous knee-jerk reaction to one game and has almost never been enforced in the way that was perhaps um, envisaged. But, I mean, the biggest problem with the rule book is that it's a rule book full of subjective and subjective rules. There's very few objective rules in, in, in Australian rules football. And so all of them are open to interpretation. And you've got three different people making those interpretations at any one game. And, and as we know, they change from round to round. Um, I I don't mind deliberate out of bounds. I actually think they're getting a better about it. And I think you'll find some teams will start using it almost as a professional foul. You know, are you better off being caught holding the ball inside forward 50 or are you better off kicking it 20, 20 metres further away and kicking it out of bounds and conceding a free kick there? And I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing. I think they're getting, generally, they're better and a little braver at paying it. But um, uh, I, I think one of the things they need to interpret they need to enforce better is some of the shepherding rules, particularly shepherding in marking contests. I think we're seeing some some pretty blatant third men in packs holding defenders out of packs now with forward marking, and um, the def- it's it's not not the best life being a defender in in, a, in in the AFL these days. And I think they need to get a fair run at it. Just want to say that. Uh... Brett Thornton was pinged under the deliberate point rule um, while he was playing for Carlton a couple of years back, and he was in he was at the top of the goal square and handballed at throw, um, which was pretty obvious to everyone under the rule at the time. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the game that spurned that rule was it was very much an outlier, very much an outlier. It wasn't typical of any game that had come before it. In the years in the years before, it was a it was a tactic born of the day, and, and to, to actually create a rule based on that is um, perhaps well AFL AFL thinking at its best, perhaps. Mm. But yeah, anyway. if there's one I would change, it would be this whole bit where it's the holding the ball interpretation, where the umpire says made an attempt uh, or didn't make an attempt, and it shouldn't be relevant whether you make an attempt if you don't actually dispose of the ball. Um, and far too many times you see this, oh, he tried to get a kick away or he tried to do this. Who cares what he tried to do? He didn't do it. It's holding the ball. You're done. You're Roar to tackle more. There's no point in having tackling in a game if you're not going to pay the tackling. And I, this has been a, a bugbear of mine. Various Carlton coaches have complained about this over the years. Noticeably Brett Ratton, who was very big on tackling, and at the time, umpires just weren't paying it. Um, and this should be relevant to Messenger, given he's a midfield coach at Hawthorne. Mm. But if, if you're, if you're going to 
put all you know there's no reward for your defensive effort why would you tackle and maybe that's uh, that that should have nothing whatsoever to do with Carlton being a bunch of soft cocks this year or last year but maybe they're gun shy going for tackles after not being rewarded for it oh, it's oh, unlikely I... don't get me wrong it's not an excuse for my team being rubbish this year no 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 I, I just think if the way I think you're interpreting that rule would like it paid I think you, you you see the free kick count go through the roof. Well, I think players every, would actually... If every time somebody who had... I mean, it becomes down to whether the whether it's prior opportunity is the trigger or whether it's you know, any, any incorrect... Because we see a lot of play tackles now where the ball effectively spills out, but it's not called incorrect disposal. And, and, the, and, and, they, and they keep the game flowing. I reckon you could really stand the game on its ear and have it be very, very stop-start. You could, but players will adapt to that. Over time. I mean, it used to be paid all the time. And yes, the game was stop-start, was more stop-start. But, you know, these are the rules. What If you're not going to enforce the rule, don't have the freaking thing. Mm. So, I know, I know, I know. I live in a dream world, Seppo. <laughs> And messing no, 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 I just, I, yeah, yeah. just going through no, the. I, I don't have a problem with the way it's just. Okay. Just, just going through the uh, thread that people, uh, the responses that people have posted. Adelaide Hawk would like the father-son rule removed. Uh, doesn't oh. understand why some kids should get a chance just because their old man played footy. <laughs> oh God. I don't think that's really how it works these days. Uh, Adelaide Hawk, I think uh, these players all come through the TAC Cup or other competitions and it's not an automatic thing anymore. And not as automatic as it certainly would have been when we had under-19s and reserves and things like that and players came through the club like from little kids and stuff like that. So I'm not sure that's uh, as big a problem as people are making it. It's certainly not as big a problem as people are making it uh, to be these days. But So that 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 is uh, one. Lots of people wanting the sub-rule gone. You'd think that would happen next year now. I think there's enough, and I think there's enough people up higher up in the AFL ranks that I've heard talking about them being the need to review it. So you'd think if there's one thing that is going to change next year, it's going to be probably the interchange cap down and the sub rule out, I reckon. Mm. Bookmark it. Boppo wants hands in the back removed. Uh, the push in the back mm. rule was fine without this whole hands in the back thing being added into it. I, I can see that. Unless it's I a clear the, pull. Ones. the ones where you rest the arm and the, the player in front doesn't actually move, but they say hands in the back is, is the ridiculous one. When there's a, a forceful push, like a bit of a, a tunnelling or under-ball action as the ball goes over the back, there's a lot of players that do that that I don't like. But, yeah, it's where it's real ticky touch wood that you just hate that hands in the back being called. I think I saw someone who wanted the, uh, the deliberate behind rule uh, umpired the same way that the deliberate out of bounds rule is done. I'm not really sure if that's practical. <laughs> well, I think I think that's the idea, isn't it? The mm, general principle I think so. is, is it the idea, and but they, they have a very low threshold for what essentially if you're receive pressure, isn't it? Mm. Because if pressure. a player's got no one around him, you put it through or you put it over the line. It's deliberate. D- Dungeon yeah. would like all rules uh, made after 2005 removed. Um, apparently including hands in the back, deliberate behinds, deliberate out of bounds, chopping the arms, holding the man after a mark, interchange limits, substitute rules, taking the legs out of a player, and tunnelling. 
So, so he's got at least stand for safety. At least four <laughs> of those can cause serious injuries. So, yes. Uh, perhaps not all of them. You sure it's not Dennis Pagan's uh, <laughs> count? Uh, E92 would like contact below the knees. No, uh, it just says contact below the knees, so apparently someone just needs to go and touch his ankles or something because apparently that's all he wants. Um, <laughs> Stop the ducking, Magpie Joe says, before someone really gets hurt. It's just a bad look for the game. I'm not really sure how you can do that unless you start having this deliberate high tackle crap come in. I've got one way of doing it. Yes. Anyone with a surname Selwood, D-list. <laughs> Lizzie Thomas, D-list. We'll be right. Well, they're going to do a, mid, a mid-season a mid rule change now, aren't they? And Interpretation are using... change, not a rule change. That's right. Really, it's the rule of the day. People who essentially use their heads as battering rams, although having watched AFL 360 and taken seen take Brendan Goddard and Jordan Lewis through a series of them. And I think they were none the wiser at the end of it. I mean, there were a couple that they showed which were very clear. You could see that, you know, they essentially squared down and, you know, uh, gone and as a battering ram. But others are really just guys who put their head over the ball mm. and have ended up, you know, not had a chance to raise their head before they've been tackled. I don't think that's fair. Power Raid suggests that uh, the easiest way to suspend... To deal with it is to uh, suspend duckers uh, on the video review, apparently. So after the fact, get done for staging. Same as the apparent staging penalties that have never actually been implemented. Mm. Mr. Moogle is the one who complained about uh, me limiting people to just one suggestion, and then he names the same stuff as everybody else. Which is why I asked you to name one, really, because I wanted you to think of your own individual rules, if you could. Obviously, these are the four that really came up. Push in the back, incorrect disposal, deliberate out of bounds, the substitute rule. There seems to be some sort of consensus there. Uh, other people have asked for the um, goal reviews to be looked at. i tell you what does get me, guys, is, is the uh, umpire, the, field, the boundary umpires, overruling the goal umpires... <laughs> Yes, Especially when they're they not in a better position to call it. Like a point post obscure them. They can clearly see it was touched. Or <laughs> mm. it's just, well, uh, You see it far too often. You're like, well, I've got goal umpires. I've got field umpires. We're calling it a goal. Who the hell are you? <laughs> the the it, technology for the goal reviews is so inadequate that um, it, it's barely worth using. I, I would just... I, 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 I liken it to having a vet come into a doctor's surgery and say, yes. you're doing that wrong. <laughs> so, anyway. Yes. When you're spaying your patient, you really should make the incision closer to their seventh nipple. If you and, want to be uh, a goal umpire, be a goal umpire. Until then, get back to learning to throw the ball over your head consistently. Yes. Now, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, there's a lot more, like, uh, a lot, a lot of those things in the three or four pages that that thread went for. Um, but yeah, the consensus seems to be pushing the back, sub rule, uh, incorrect disposal. Really, the same complaints we've had for years. So it was a good thread. We'll be doing that more often. Uh, the Herald Sun put out a article today on rules you may not have heard of, um, and then consi- uh, proceeded to list about nine rules that we've all heard of. But one one I didn't know is if the umpire doesn't show up, rule 8.1.4, 
if the umpire doesn't show up, the teams can nominate an umpire. That's one rule that I've never heard before and I found quite hilarious. <laughs> but you just wonder if that was born of an incident that probably happened in the early you know, 1900s or something like that that they've it's, probably it's just, left in the rule book. It's just yeah. been away. Uh, the captain of the away team always calls the fall of the coin, always gets to choose the match ball. Um, hygiene. Players are not allowed to urinate on the ground. <laughs> oh. I, I think that might have come in after Libba did it a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, head counts. Uh, very, very sparingly used. I reckon Kevin Sheedy might have done it. It was a time-wasting tactic, wasn't it? It was... Uh, yeah, he called for a head count like, with a couple of minutes to go in the game or something. It was... I've only ever heard of it happening once, and I can't exactly remember when that happened. Um, interchange times. I mean, these are technical rules. No wonder no one's heard of them. A match will be, Rule 9.4.2. A match will be forfeited if a player goes rogue <laughs> and refuses to leave the field of play after being issued with a warning, free kick, and report. What does that even mean? You don't oh, have. We don't have a send-off rule in the game, so they've had to create this rule for that reason. What? <laughs> Just in case we have a send-off rule. Uh, and of course, ten point six point two. Uh, one of the one of the more fame, well, infamous incidents in uh, VFL history. Under uh, under subsection B, a match will be considered a draw if players stop prior to half time. Can't be restarted within a thirty-minute period for reasons beyond the control of either team. In circumstances where the players stopped after halftime, the scores of the other teams at the time of the stoppage will be deemed to be final. And that, of course, goes back to... Lights out at Waverley. Lights out at Waverley. Mm. Yeah. So, fun stuff, burning goalposts and things like that. Now, here's a question, guys. That rule just mentioned previously of the player going rogue. Who would you suggest on a current AFL list would fall under the gate, or most likely to break that rule going, going rogue? rogue. <laughs> oh, I, I've got one. It's the, the Shane Watson of uh, of Australian rules football, Jared Waite. <laughs> going rogue. <laughs> just hulking up in the middle of the ground. That's it, I'm not leaving, I'm going to sit down here and I'm not moving. Mm. I'm hold my breath. Sandra helping if you're still on the list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't imagine anyone just... That, that's it, I'm not going off, the coach wants... No, I'm not... Well, who, who sends him off, though? The umpires can't. There's no <laughs> rule provision for that. Unless it's, like, for the blood rule. <coughs> Maybe that's, that's not a... blood. That's that strawberry jam. <laughs> I'm not bleeding. That's your imagination. I'm well, staying on the Rance? ground, damn it. Alex Rance would fall into that category. He goes, no, nah, I'm staying here. It's my mm. religious beliefs. Yes. You get yes. done. Uh, free kick is awarded if you hit the roof at Eddie Head Stadium. And there's also a fine associated to that. I found that through the uh, tribunal booklet, scrolling through the. Uh, Nominal fees for fines if you hit the roof is a fine associated that as well. Yeah, no one's come close yet to hitting it. And a free kick. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have some power in your boot to hit the roof though. What, 38 metres up in the air, isn't it? That yeah. yeah. Shane Savage would probably get that on most of his kicks. Woody, Woody. <laughs> they, they usually go, they float 38 metres up and about 25 metres along. Helicopter spirals. Yeah. Yes, that's why he plays for St Kilda. I'll tell you what, I actually did think that the goal square was supposed to be 10 metres in length. Um, it's apparently 9 metres. I knew it wasn't 10 metres, but I didn't know the exact measurement because I remember I went to measure out doing a uh, one of those beep tests or shuttle runs between the distance and I got a tape measure out at local park and it wasn't measured out and I thought, oh, they stuffed this up. But it's interesting to know that it's not 10, it's 9. Mm-hmm. So, good discussion, guys. I, I thought that was well worth having. 
<laughs> mm. we'll move into uh, the round, a uh, previous for the round. Uh, at the end of last week, though, the ladder stands with Fremantle undefeated. Uh, yet again, nine wins, nine, lo- uh, nine wins, no losses, 151%. Not the highest percentage uh, there. That belongs to West Coast on 161. But uh, they're at West Coast coming in second at nine and seven. So the two WA teams at the top there. Uh, thoughts on a do- all WA grand final? Set? Not going to happen. No? Mess? No, won't no. happen. Swans coming in third place, nine and uh, was seven and two. Collingwood six and three make up the top four. Um, Fremantle Sydney grand final? Yeah, possible. Mm, mm, mm. Quite uh, likely, I would think. Mm. Mm. I have to consult the squiggle, really, if you wanted an accurate prediction of the grand final currently. <laughs> mm. <laughs> GWS in fifth spot, uh, still six and three, but. Really didn't play well on the weekend, so um, it's going to be one of those. I think they'll make the finals. I think they'll scrape into eighth spot, to be honest. But you just have to look at their fixture. I know they. I can't remember if it's GWS or Gold Coast that have got a tough run coming up, but I reckon a bit of normalisation of teams shifting around a bit once you get a I think couple a, of games through the bye. Any fixture coming up for the Gold Coast is going to be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> to to be fair, so Hawthorne Mess coming in sixth spot, nine and five. St Kilda, St Kilda this week. The five and four, they're not nine and Sorry, five. Sorry, five and four. I keep reading the wrong five column. Five and four. Yes, this will be the... This is usually the week we lose. It's the even week of the season. So we've lost all the even weeks so far. So this we would have to try and break our duck in even rounds. Uh, the Crows, also five and four. Richmond, five and four. The Bulldogs, five and four. All the way down to ninth. A win this week and a Collingwood loss would uh, put you into the top four. Mm. Really, so... Probably really? being Collingwood faced Melbourne on the Queen's birthday here in Melbourne. So yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, Do you want to hear about head counts? <laughs> Go on. I've looked it up. Okay, so the most three head counts in the history of BFL AFL football, nineteen twenty four. <laughs> St Kilda called a head count. Are they all unsuccessful, by the way? St Kilda called a head count against Carlton round twelve, nineteen twenty four. Essendon called a head count against North Melbourne in round 17, 1958. And this is the most recent one. West Coast, Captain Guy McKenna against St Kilda, round 22, 1999. I knew there was one. I just... And the most... I, I don't think it's something they can now do in the AFL, but VFL, this is a successful head count... VFL, round 14, 2013, where North Ballarat called a head count against Frankston. <laughs> yes. And in the end, I mean, North Ballarat won comfortably, as they were Frankston aren't very good. But yes, they called a head count, and they won. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. And, oh, oh, here's a good one. 2011 first semi-final... Williston called a head count against Barossa District in the Barossa League and something, something, or something. Yeah, in South Australia. The scores, the scores were 59 all, and the head count was successful, and Williston ended up winning 81 to 6. <laughs> That's a bit of a penalty. Because you, well, you have your score removed, you say. Man. So, yes. How dumb do you have to be to get called by a head count, though? <laughs> 
<laughs> there is a story you got of time as they're counting to quickly sneak off the side. <laughs> well, actually, there's a there's a story there of uh, when West Adelaide had uh, West Torrens and West Adelaide were playing, and um, Norm Dare had to jump the fence and hide under somebody's coat to avoid detection. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we should move on. We we will move on. Essendon coming in tenth spot, along with uh, Port Adelaide and Geelong and North Melbourne, all on four and five apiece. Um, still definitely in contention by the look of it. Um, St Kilda, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Oh well, St Kilda and Melbourne are nine and three are probably starting to fall asleep. Three astray. and six. No, I'm calling it nine and three. <laughs> it is God. no, it is three and six. I can't read. And Brisbane and Gold Coast. Well, Brisbane on two and seven. Gold Coast and Carlton on one and eight. Definitely not in the running for the finals uh, in the near future. Now, I know we're only nine rounds in, guys, but yes. would you start to rule a line through making the eight for anyone from St Kilda down the last five spots? I I, I would severely oh, yes. think about it. Because just <laughs> above them, you've got Saints, Melbourne, yes. Brisbane, Gold Coast and Carlton. You could pretty much rule those out. But above them, you've got North, Geelong, Port, Essendon, Bulldogs, Richmond. Really, any one of those have had potential to go on a run and obviously not knowing what their fix is like, but potentially squeeze into the eight. So it's... Well, two it's, games separates 13th from 5th, 4th. So, yeah, I think probably there'd have to be start... a lot of drop-offs. Yeah, I think what you got, if you manage to sort of get to about say, if you were sort of four or seven at worst at eleven rounds, that's where you start to have problems. But I mean, it's fairly even with Fremantle sort of sitting on top. I mean, there's even some people reckon you could make the top four with with as few as say fifteen wins. You could almost get yourself fourth spot. So mm. it's possible you could end up 11-11 and, 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 and make the eight this year. Could mm. be, a rare, be a rare chance to get a few wins. Mm. Josh Kennedy leading the goal kicking for the league at the moment on 37 for West Coast. Eddie Betts coming in second on 31. Jeremy Cameron, 29. Lance Franklin, 27. Josh Bruce, uh, 26. Taylor Walker, Jack Rewald on 25. Cam McCarthy, Luke Bruce and Jay Schultz coming in with 22, making up the top goal kickers for the league. But Josh Kennedy well out in front at the moment. David Armitage still in front on disposals, followed by uh, Seppo's boyfriend, Nat Fife. And the unknown man, Matt Prittis, coming in third with 272. Um, on to this round, guys, and the one that we all care about. And for the first time in some time, there is no Carlton game on the Friday night. It's Fremantle Richmond Messenger. Oh. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic game. One that I'll actually tune into and you know make my ears bleed listening to um, you know BT or Richo or whoever's actually got the uh, Friday night commentary on seven. It's going to be no, a, it's a special McAvaney on Friday night. It's actually, oh. interesting. There are two interstate games, uh, two interstate hosted games on Friday nights for the next two weeks, uh, which doesn't happen too often. Um, but Fremantle on Richmond is going to be a a nice little game to watch one suspects I suspect that that um, Fremantle will win that quite handsomely oh I suspect yeah. I think it's a close with, one with, with and, and they will at the end of the game award Nat Fife the Brownlow medal <laughs> in I, case in case he gets his, himself suspended I'm holding out hope for round 23 and a Nat Fife brain snap 
that's that's, it, that's my hope. It, it's cruel, uh, but you never know. I mean, I think we all believe in our hearts that really he should already be eradicated after oh, that be. disgusting trip. <laughs> disgusting trip. Potential to cause injury, I think, was uh, the the uh, clause used by the match review panel a few weeks ago and disappeared all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and the fine would have been insignificant, I think, too. No, he would have had, he would have had his groupies pay for it. Well, he could have just paid for it by selling off his hair. Uh, Carlton play Adelaide on Saturday afternoon at the MCG. Uh, Adelaide apparently stocking up to uh, break what is its Carlton hoodoo, apparently. I've no idea what that means, but uh, I think... uh, I I doubt very much Carlton can win. I've no idea why this game's at the MCG. I think it's just to give Adelaide a game at the MCG, to be honest. So, wouldn't matter where you play this... You played this in Timbuktu, and the Crows are still going to win this. Yes. Um, I have absolutely no faith in my team whatsoever at the moment. And, and neither you should, because they're terrible at professional football. And, coach, and coached by John Barker. So. <laughs> Is this the week that Eddie Betts, Eddie Betts kicks 10 goals? Oh, he's going to break Fred Fanning's record this week, Eddie Betts. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised if we even bother manning up on him. No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> be... Uh, speaking of teams with no chance of winning, Gold Coast have the Swans at Metricon Stadium on oh Saturday afternoon. Godfather. And this could be... Uh, I, I, I tip this has been the largest losing margin for the season. Children, avert your eyes. <laughs> this will be... Is Adults, it gonna... avert your eyes. Oh, this Everyone, is, just don't this watch is... it. Everyone, avert your eyes. Actually, the only thing that will say... It would be interesting to see what the weather is like. In um, <laughs> up there because if it's tipping rain, they might be able to keep the margin under 15 goals. Well, the AFL website says 18 and mostly sunny. So, <laughs> I did so, every so, game last week. <laughs> so they're doomed. <laughs> 18 and mostly sunny. Now, I wonder if Damien Barrett will um, flick the switch to hyperbole again. He did suggest that the um, Swans Carlton game, he was suggesting it could be the first 200 point margin ever. 20% chance of showers on uh, Saturday for the Gold Coast game. It's, uh, 23 degrees maximum. So. Looking at the uh, indiscretions of the Gold Coast, they've lost, uh, was it May and, no, Dixon and um, Martin. Jack Martin. Obviously, Martin is injured anyway. They've got, what Gold Coast, I think, got one of the biggest injury lists going around at the moment, and Sydney aren't too, too bad with theirs. I think they're close to their best 22 each week, and Suns are almost having a side that picks itself. It's not looking good. Well, uh, Gold Coast have never beaten the Swans, if you're wondering, and they're not going to do so now. (laughs) So uh, we're moving along. Saturday night, Essendon have Geelong at Etihad Stadium. This game should be okay. One suspects. Geelong having beaten Essendon in all last five of their encounters. And I think we can make it six, can't we? Essendon really have... That round two loss to Essendon is looking like a day of shame for Hawthorne now. <laughs> I mean, they've really, they're really poor now, Essendon. 18 and sunny predicted at Etihad Stadium. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Cats are $1.70 uh, favourites over Essendon at two fifteen. so go nuts there. Uh, where are we? Also, oh, Saturday night, Port and the Western Bulldogs. This should be an okay game uh, in Port Adelaide. Oh, sorry, at Adelaide Oval in Port Adelaide. 
where it will be 18 and sunny at Adelaide Oval. On, That's crazy. On, <laughs> on Sunday night. I don't know who's doing their website at the AFL. But... Night, sunny night games are always a favourite. That's right. <laughs> at seven ten on a Saturday on a Saturday night, it's going to be eighteen and sunny. So yeah. it's hard to have faith in a team that lost to Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. Bulldogs have won four of the last five games these teams have played. They tend to play one game a year though, so and a lot of those games were at TIO Stadium in Darwin. So uh, perhaps not I, a hell of a lot to be read there. I think Port. Yeah. I think Port, it could be Port by a lot, actually. You think well, Port are just starting to get back to their, their best? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I, The Bulldogs are just a bit... Yeah, yeah, not sure. Not bookies, sure about the dogs. The bookies moment. have Port at $1.27. The dogs are at three seventy-five. so... Yes, so, I, I, yes. They generally know a thing or two, don't they, bookies? <laughs> oh, bookies are always correct. <laughs> it's... Uh... A lot better than the AFL weatherman. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sunday afternoon at Spotless Stadium, where it will be 18 and mostly sunny. Uh, the Giants have the Brisbane Lions, who are <laughs> the Lions at seven dollars to win this game. The Giants at a dollar ten. So you make up your own mind who the favourites are. There. Is this where is this being played? Uh, Spotless Sydney Showgrounds. So Spotless. Yeah. It's not one that I'll be flicking on, to be honest. Brisbane won two of the last three. These teams only play once a year, though, so... It's the Joel Patful Cup. It's uh, 45-point mm. winners last time, GWS, in round 13 yeah. last year. So, funny stuff there. North Melbourne have West Coast on Sunday afternoon, this it's game. It's game of the round when you think about it. This game is in Tasmania. <laughs> so, mm. West Coast making the long journey over. Uh, but are still favourites apparently at, with the bookies at a dollar seventy-seven, kangaroos at two oh five. Possibly one of the, the most disgraceful choke fests mm. in a quarter of football last week. West Coast uh, won this game at last time it was played at Blundstone Arena. If you're wondering, which really was... they they had to go there. What was it last year? No, nah, it... two thousand twelve. The last well, couple of games have been played at Subiaco Oval. Where North Melbourne won last year, North uh, Melbourne nearly doubled them. So. They're a sneaky chance because Essendon, West Coast, have really been beating up on some pretty ordinary teams. Even though they did beat Geelong last year at home, but they could have beaten them by more with accurate kicking. So Geelong are they, very... that was their first decent scout. But I know mm. Geelong have been mm. on the down, but Geelong are mid-table though. Now, really, aren't they? I mean, North Melbourne are probably mid-table. I'd be, I would just be. I mean, West Coast have beaten what the Giants inside the eight this year. Mm. That's it. Mm. Well, Freo haven't beat anyone you know behind them on the table. So, mm. well, <laughs> oh, oh. pulling that one out. That's that's mm. that's a vintage me from 2014. Come on, yes, yeah. Um, here's, yeah, I don't know. I reckon. I reckon North. I'm going to say North. Here's, here's some fantastic odds for you. Um, St Kilda versus. Hawthorne on Sunday afternoon, uh, heading into Sunday evening. But uh, St Kilda at twelve dollars over uh, over Hawthorne, who are a dollar three. <laughs> so they're long. I I I tell you, I a radiologist who for whom I recently worked worked. <laughs> he, he says, "Oh, we're playing each other." I said, "We are absolutely going to take the long hair." I don't work for him anymore, so I could tell him exactly what I thought. 
We're going to take the long handle to you and we're going to make you weep. He said, I vote for St Kilda. I'm used to it. Don't you worry. Hawthorne have won the last four games that these sides have played, including three at the MCG, one at Etihad Stadium. But in 2010, in round 17, St Kilda drew with Hawthorne, 14-3 to 13-9. So... I was there. Yes, it was. Um, would have been a fun game to watch. Messenger watch. It well, was... Messenger, if you like Hawthorne at a hundred plus, you can get eight dollars. So, <laughs> I, it, I if that's like proportion, if that's what you think, and Hawthorne are going to do damage to St Kilda, it's it's a it's a fa- it's the family friendly four forty Sunday time slot too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Public holiday this weekend, which means it's the Queen's birthday, and Melbourne play Collingwood on Sunday or on Monday, where it will be eighteen and mostly sunny at the MCG. Oh my God. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I would say, I would say that Collingwood will win. Collingwood have won the last four of these games by some of them by horrific margins. Yes. Uh, round 11, 2013, they won by 80 points. Uh, round 11, 2012, uh, they won by about 30 points. But round 12, 2011, they also won by nearly 90 points. So This is a good game with both sides coming off pretty good wins. You know, Melbourne yeah. flogging the, the doggies and Collingwood getting up in one of the uh, big you know turnarounds against North from last week. So they're both going with confidence, but you'd have to give the points to... Collingwood just ahead from you know, where they're sitting on the ladder, but it'd be great to see an upset here. And I think Melbourne would probably reduce the margin what it's been the last couple of times. But God, I'd love it just to get Melbourne with a, another win up and Collingwood just to drop down a bit from you know, sticking their head too far up. Pies at a dollar twenty-eight. Uh, D's at three dollars seventy. If you want to get on there, gamble responsibly, please. Um, Big Footy is not associated with bad gambling. <laughs> Only good gambling. Only good gambling. <laughs> and and in moderation. There's just the, just the kids' pocket money. Don't don't gamble away all the food the, the, the food shopping money. <laughs> don't lock your kids in the car while you go into the TAB either. Well, you leave the window open a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, none of us are experts. Um, no matter how well our teams are performing at the moment. So. Leads us into the final, uh, the final, uh, the final stretch. What are your, uh, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend, guys? Mm. Mm. It's not a very inspiring round, is it? No, not particularly. It's safe to venture back to Friday night football. I'll at least give you that. Well, you mm. got, you got, you got a couple of good weeks of Friday night footy coming up. Uh, Port and Geelong next week at Adelaide Oval. Oh, that's all right. Adelaide Hawthorne at Adelaide Oval the week after that. You mean you mean the reigning premiers actually get to play on Friday night? Well, actually, Adelaide Hawthorne are playing on Thursday night. It'll be Richmond. Ugh. It'll be Richmond West Coast on the Friday night. Adelaide Hawthorne, the Thursday night game, uh, being fixtured again because it was so successful last year. And when you look at Thursday nights, and if you complain about them, you can blame that game for so many of them coming up uh, because it was so uh, successful in terms of attendance and ratings. Thursday night football. So I'd expect a lot more of it in the future. It tends to rate reasonably well when compared to Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah. And uh, interstate crowds seem to turn up for them. So, yes. Uh, Richmond and West Coast will be the uh, round 12 game on the Friday night, though. 
So no Carlton there for you. Fremantle Collingwood have a Thursday night game coming up in round 13, but Sydney and Richmond's a Friday game. And then we're back to regular programming. Sydney, Port Adelaide Thursday, Collingwood Hawthorne on the Friday. So you get a Friday night game in round 14, Mess. Against Carlton. Against Collingwood at the MCG. So it should be a reasonably... And we've still got to play Carlton twice this year. Yeah, no doubt we do. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, clearly Hawthorne have been kissed on the dick for that one. That's fantastic. <laughs> Richmond and Carlton. Carlton's next Friday night game is in round 15. For those of you who would like to schedule, you know, romantic getaways. Or, or a vasectomy. <laughs> or, 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 or more enjoyable things Lobotomies <laughs> or whatever else you have going on that weekend that you would like to get done. Seppo Freeman will have Carlton. On, in round 16 at uh, Subiaco. Oh, so um, that's a Saturday evening game. It'll be the... F- I think uh, it's only going to be on TV in Perth, so Messenger, you don't have to worry about watching it. Carlton right. Hawthorne is Friday, round 17, <laughs> at Docklands. <laughs> so, um... Can't wait. <laughs> look forward to that. Can't wait. I might even... I might even go to that tip of a stadium to watch it. Uh, you're the people that are going to be building a tip of a ground, aren't you? No, no, no. We're that's, that's what I heard. On a tip that's different. <laughs> Sefo, what are you looking forward to this weekend, mate? Um, I'm looking forward to how Richmond plan to stop Fife. I think uh, it's mentioned every single week now, and I know that Adelaide tried it with Dangerfield going head-to-head, but it's it's one thing that I look forward to as a, a Fremantle fan, just watching other teams just try and stop the inev- inevitable. Yeah, Rumour rumor has it that what they're going to do is they're going to get him the night before with getting drunk with a beautiful woman and cut off all his hair, and that takes yeah. away his powers, apparently. So they're no gonna, Samson. That's, they're that's gonna, right. They're going to get him, they're going to Charlie Dixon him. That's right. Yep. So that, that, that's we'll look forward to that. And uh, it's an interesting point, just going back to uh, last week's game, I forgot to mention, but... Aaron Sanderland's amassed 69 hit-outs, which actually broke the uh, previous record that stood for 30-odd years, I think. So he's now on the record books. Who was Adelaide's a... Ruckman last week? Jacobs. Really? He was out there, yep. Mark, Mark Rusciuto, by the sounds of it. Trent Ormond <laughs> Allen came back Sorry. out for a run. Sorry, when you say hit-outs, hit-outs to advantage or just... Just straight oh, hit-outs. I, it... I didn't actually know the hit-out to advantage number, and I asked uh, Champion Data on uh, Twitter to come out with that number, but I still haven't found out yet, but it was 69 hit-outs. I think when you get 70 hit-outs, it doesn't matter if they're to advantage or not. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> like, well, like... I, I'd, I'd make the point, and Lee Matthews made this point notoriously about 12 months ago, that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're getting hit-outs if they're not actually doing any good. And there is that. Might have said something that caused anybody on Bigfooty wearing purple to absolutely combust and get all frothy-mouthed and indignant and... How dare you be so disrespectful to Aaron Sanderlands? Um, But yes, I think it does matter where the ball goes, doesn't it? Well, it should. It's interesting because it was such a stark contrast in that hit-out versus, you know, Sanderlands versus Jacobs or the combined Ruckman together, but think, I can't remember if it was the centre clearances or clearances in general, I think it was line ball or Adelaide might have even won it, so it Precisely. is, yeah. it is a, a sort of a false stat when you look purely on that, but it's what like it saying, does say is uh, it's 
it goes a long way for our midfield to actually get get the ball. Yes, it's like saying, oh, Matt Prittis had 30 kicks, but finding yeah. out that, that 20 of them went, went sideways <laughs> to, yeah, and the other, t- yeah. So, yes, I, I don't know. It, stats, can, uh, stats can tell you anything they want to tell you. Uh, yes. All right, well, that's, that's it for uh, tonight. We've had a fair bit of uh, discussion. Um, cheers to Mike for not coming. That's great, Mike. <laughs> well done. Thanks, Mike. Um, I'm sure he had his reasons. Uh, big shout-out to Neil Danaher this week, who is mm. doing the big freeze at the MCG on Sunday or Monday? Is it Monday? Sunday? Yeah, the Monday. Monday. Melbourne game. Um, and that is in support of people with motor neuron disease or finding a cure for motor neuron disease, rather. Um, and you can... There's a thread on the Big Footy board that'll point you towards that. I'll just pull up that... Uh, those details. And I don't know where this is great um, podcast material. Um, you, can, you can text FREEZE to 04006406064. I'm not really sure how that works or how you donate that way, but I'm sure there's a way. Or you can donate at uh, freezemnd.com. Um, yeah, there's some uh, various articles and things like that linked in that thread. Uh, Neil Danaher and the Big Freeze at the G. It's a sticky thread at the top of the main board. It'll be there until the end of the weekend. Thanks very much, guys, for coming on. Please give generously to the cause, and we will see you all on the forums. Good night, everybody. <laughs>